have a rather good memory for anything I've enjoyed hearing, if it's about words. And uh, Nightmare Abbey by Peacock is, le- is one of the many plays I heard broadcast in a third programme, which highly amused and entertained me. In uh, later years, I, I read them in books and reinforced my pleasure in them. The, uh, uh, the Childer Mass by Wyndham Lewis was, uh, well, in fact, a complete trilogy because it, it was the Children Mass and then Malayan Fiesta and Monster Guy, I think, which had Donald Woolfit playing the part of the bailiff in all three of them. He was a tremendously good actor. Mm-hmm. and uh, But they were all uh, well acted. And, uh, and therefore, as I say, I thoroughly enjoyed Nightmare Abbey. And, and then uh, Louis McNeese, I think, was then a director of the third programme. And uh, and he he wrote a, a rhymed play based on the um, the idea derived from Browning's poem "Child Roland to the Dark Dower Came," which is also a tremendously impressive poem in itself. And I well uh, all. <laughs> All these influenced me. I mentioned the the fact that the Midnight Folk and the Box of Delights in John Maysfield's and Child's radio children's hour broadcast that were heard during the war, I think in it was nineteen forty forty one, was it? More your mother had it there too. And then later I I found them in Ridley Public Library, where they had been um, placed as adult novels, which they aren't. But uh, I read them again and found them as enjoyable as I find them when I look into them now, <laughs> nowadays. And uh, I was only, both as a child and well into my teens, I was only really um, fascinated by... Um, stories that had adventures in them and what would have been called fairy tales. I was certainly most influenced by Hans Andersen's stories, even though they're called fairy tales, but there's no fairies in any of them that I can remember. But uh, there's talking, there are talking toys and creatures and animals and... uh, a most strong sense of loss that goes through them, of time passing away, which um, children are quite conscious of, and and, uh, and therefore stories that mention these things do do make strong sense to them, certainly did to me. Um, I found that most, what you might call boys' books, stories of uh, cowboys and Indians, or public school stories, whether of the unrealistic 
Billy Bunter, or the more realistic Tom Brown school days, kind didn't appeal to me because I, I thought of them as being realistic, whether they were or not. And uh, it was only well into my my teens that I found what you might call uh, grown-up books, by which I mean the novels of uh, of Dickens and Thomas Hardy strongly appealed to me uh, because, of course, the, the certain melodramatic, in the case of Hardy, aspects and, well, and, and ex- as far as I was concerned, exotic rural settings and, uh, and uh, the, the melodramatic side of and uh, the exaggeratedly, if you like, sentimental sides of Dickens. Um, I, no, no, they, they appealed to me very strongly. And uh, I knew the story of Frankenstein very roughly. I hadn't read it steadily from one end to the other, as my son Andrew actually has. Um, but I, But I knew the... The story, basically, and of course I'd seen the uh, the film of uh, The Bride of Frankenstein, which was a kind of sequel to it. Though, um, the, was was Whale the director of it, uh, an English director, and uh, he he did it rather well because he uh, he began with the. A rather gothic alpine castle silhouetted by lightning, but you move into it and and you find that there is uh, Shelley and Byron and Mary Shelley her knitting by the fire and they're talking and and uh, rec- recalling the the story of Frankenstein that she'd invented and and they go on to the uh, the sequel to it, which is also part of the book, and uh, and uh, no, but but uh, since I knew about it, one of one of the things that uh, struck me is uh, Mary Shelley's book is, of course, a fable, uh, a modern myth, and it's not at all realistic. You have, for instance, the the business of the of the scientist working to create, to show himself the equal of God by making life himself out of pieces of dead bodies. You're not told very much about, except that that's how he's done it. But the point is, as soon as the creature he has made shows sign of life, he rushes away and uh, doesn't want to know it, and it, recognising that it's obnoxious to him, runs away too and uh, acquires a separate, rather effective education. Uh, the the uh, from that point of view, the uh, the Frankenstein parody, the filmic Frankenstein parody that was made by the. Uh, American film producer. He also made the film called The Producers. 
and uh, the mock western film called Blazing Saddles. Uh, what's his name? Wilder. Yes, well, if Gene it, Wilder. I think I think it may have been him. Uh, Gene Wilder's version of Frankenstein, because he, having produced his uh, his living monster, he uh, he proceeds to demonstrate him before a scientific congress as a major achievement. And. Uh, I've, I, uh, in, in, my, in my version, the, uh, one of the heroes of my book, uh, Godwin Baxter, is a slightly monstrous looking person who has been brought up as the, or has been introduced to the world as the probably legitimate son of a, of a great Scottish surgeon. And, uh, and the implication is that he is, is in fact, uh, an experimental achievement created by his, his father grafting the parts together and producing this slightly monstrous human being who can pass as a human being, but whose voice is a highly unpleasant one and whose, um, whose appearance is such that um, sick people find him too alarming for uh, the, though he's an, having been educated thoroughly by his father uh, he's an, an excellent anatomist and uh, surgeon that he uh, he cannot practice in in a normal hospital he's uh, allowed to teach anatomy to to fill a student to students and um, anyway they, I have it that he by using his father's procedures of grafting which are much in advance of the surgery of the time and for that matter the surgery of now, nowadays uh, by grafting the, the brain of a, of a pregnant woman who's committed suicide into the mother's body he gives her a new life, but uh, um, anyway, that that was that was the idea, and uh, I'm quite pleased with that book because the three characters in it are all of them, the three main characters are all of them rather innocent and quite good people, and um, that is they they mean no harm to anybody and and uh, try to do all the good they can. Uh, admitted the narrator of the story, um, uh, McCandless, is, is not uh, all that bright, but uh, I think it's one of the best openings of a book I've ever written. I, was, uh, I, I based it very much on the, uh, on the opening of... Um, Robert Louis Stevenson's Kidnapped, who's generally very good at his openings because he he gets you into the story right away. And uh, Kidnapped starts with him saying how oh, the sun was shining, the birds were chirping on this rather nice April day. 
when he turned the key in the lock of the his parents' house, you know, where he'd been brought up before setting out basically on his adventures. And uh, you're, in, you're immediately in, where is this young man going and why? And and in a few sentences, it's you're introduced to it as he as he sets off. And um, my only uh, my own opening lines for poor things are um, <laughs> if I remember them, and I probably do. Uh, my like most farm servants. My mother kept her savings in a tin box under her bed. And uh, and on her deathbed she told me to take it out and count it. I did so and it came to much more than I'd expected. She said, make something of yourself with it. I told her... I would use it to make myself a medical student, become a doctor. And uh, she uh, smiled in the way in which she responded to all slightly unconvincing statements. And then, becoming serious, said, Don't give a penny of it to Scraffles. Let him bury me in a pauper's grave if he likes, but don't spend a penny of it, you know. And keep, keep all my money to yourself. Uh, Scraffles was the name of my father. But the nickname of my father being a, na- a name for diseased poultry. Um, he had her buried on holy soil. I don't know, he had a, a proper... Grave burial, but said, "I'm leaving the the gravestone to you." He did, and by the time I was in a position to pay for it, uh, nobody remembered the position of the grave, uh, and uh, etc. Uh, but anyway, that that's in a few sentences. I've I've got the situation in which she's a an illegitimate. Child of, uh, with no, without much money, but who started as a, a medical student at Glasgow University, and um, and the and the book has uh, has many features that were all taken mainly from Victorian uh, books. Uh, Wilkie Collins, the uh, the Moonstone is mainly told through a set of narratives by different people involved in the story. And uh, so is this book, the the, uh, the first lover with whom, who elopes with uh, the heroine, with Bella, tells, tells the story of his life with her uh, in a in a quite a lengthy letter, and then she tells she tells the story of her her life with him in a, a long narrative of her own, and and uh, as I say the uh, as I say it 
It draws upon Robert Louis Stevenson, um, Wilkie Collins, Mary Shelley. At the moment I can't remember quite what it is, but undoubtedly the, the heroine is a kind of a mixture of... in the kind of way Alice in Wonderland, as much as... Uh, as much as some, uh, several other characters. And... Um, anyway, that's... And, uh, and also the fact that I was... I was basing it in a... in a Glasgow... a Victorian Glasgow, which... in the first years of my life... had changed very little... since the 14... or since before the 1418 war. Uh, as I say, it's changed a lot since then from the knocking of down of certain of the Victorian buildings and the, and the erecting of some not very nice replacements in the way of, way of multi-stories. But um, anyway, that, that's how it came together. <laughs> My wife, Morag, at one point she dropped a hint that the, uh, that the, the heroine may have been based partly upon herself, which she was being uh, a bit unduly modest. I would say undoubtedly she, she inspired the book somehow, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it was... Uh, the idea of it came to me uh, after we were married and living here together. And... Uh, Ooh, I...